Between recording the next episode of my podcast, running a business, and all of the things life throws my way, sometimes it's good to just get away. Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis here. And let me tell you, I love booking a trip where I can escape. There's nothing like spending a few days at the beach, relaxing and spending time with family. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter your reasons, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. When something happens to your car, you might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In Inca mythology, Aksumama, the potato goddess, is one of the daughters of Pachamama, the earth mother. And legend has it, when the ancient Andean people first encountered potatoes growing 7,000 years ago, they took them to be gifts from the gods. Today's episode is all about, you guessed it, potatoes! Potatoes! My name is Eva Longoria. And I am Maite Gomez Rejon. And welcome to Hungry Hungry for History. A podcast that explores our past and present through food. On every episode, we'll talk about the history of some of our favorite dishes, ingredients, and beverages. So make yourself at home. Y buen provecho. Are potatoes indigenous to Peru? Yes, Yeah, so we've been focusing this whole season, we've been focusing mainly on Mesoamerica. But this time we thought, okay, let's go, let's go a little further south and go to Peru. So first of all, the papa, the word papa is Quechua for a tuber. But the potato, the first wild potatoes were harvested in the high altitude soils in the Andes Mountains about eight thousand years ago so what do you do you plant that little sprout thingy yeah so if you were to grow a potato if you you know see an old potato you know how sometimes they have those things sprouting out of it Mm -hmm. so you could take the potato and cut them into sections and then plant the potato basically in rows and you just take that piece of the potato and then you plant it with that pointing upwards you plant them about a foot apart and then in a few months, you'll have a ton of potatoes. What? Yeah, it's That's the crazy. easiest thing to grow. It is uh, how really come I incredible. Haven't grown? Everybody grows tomatoes because it's so easy. But I think I'm going to try planting potatoes. They're supposed to be the easiest thing to grow. Interesting. Well, apparently they you were because... You just have to grow them in rows. Because the Incan civilization grew thousands of different types of potatoes. Mm-hmm. And they were ranging in like different shapes, textures, colors, flavors, some that we recognize today, but thousands of different types. I feel like every time I go to the grocery store, there's like Russell and Golden. Like, 
Like I know what? there's not that many. There's like three you... or four different kinds, but still in Peru, the, the native plants, these papas nativas, there are still thousands of them in Peru. Wow. And the fact that they taste different is interesting. rulers would hoe their own gardens in order to set a good example and to show that nobody was so rich that they could afford to insult the poor. Mm-hmm. And even the disabled who could not work the soil for food were fed from public storehouses. Wow. Isn't that cool? So cool. But you know, it's, this all makes sense that it comes from Peru and the Incan, because if you think about Peruvian food, they always have the potatoes on the bottom of that rice. But it was the Incans who, or farmers in the Andes, that attributed their success of cultivating potatoes based on spiritual knowledge, like the moon and the mountain spirits and signals from the ancestors. And so I think, you know, the farmers in the Andes kind of attribute this successful cultivation of potatoes to spiritual knowledge. Like, I actually do think plants grow when they're happy and when you talk to them. <laughs> no, but I think that is so interesting. And I think we we touched upon this a little bit when we talked about farmers and food justice and all of this. You know, this whole concept of in Mesoamerica and just pre-colonial peoples, they were so connected to the land. I mean, yes, they're attributing it to the goddess of potato and the earth mother and the moon and all of that. But really, they knew what they were doing. I mean, they were so connected to the earth and the climate and they were scientists, really. Well, that's why um, I was. it was interesting to read that Peru has almost an entirely organic farming structure thanks to the work done by the Incans thousands of years ago because they were they did this insane amount of research on farming practices. It's insane. And I, yeah, there's this one Andean agriculture laboratory known as Morai. And this is this laboratory that was developed by the Incan people I mean, and they cultivated new varieties of plants, not just potatoes, but they're really known for the potatoes. And they also kept seed banks. Wow. So this research that they were doing thousands of years ago is still paying off today. Wow. That is amazing. Which is extraordinary. Wow. And I also find it interesting because I learned this in Oaxaca as well with the mezcal growers that are very similar, but growers of papas nativas um, grow only what they need to feed their own family. So for most of them, it's not practical to produce these crops at a larger scale because that's really labor intensive and like commercial pesticides and fertilizers. So th- they mostly grow it for their community and their families like mezcal, well, traditional mezcal, very, very traditional mezcal. They only make enough for their community. I think that's in some parts of, of Oaxaca as well. I think we see this with corn. They only grow enough to feed themselves and their family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, if we all did that, we wouldn't need the big ag business that we have today. We have to learn from the Incas and the Zapotecs. We got to learn from, (laughs) you know, the indigenous cultures that had been doing it for thousands of years before we came along and fucked it up. All right, let's talk about Moray, the Incan Potato Laboratory. It's incredible. A lot of science going on when it comes to potatoes. A lot. And this place is incredible. It's on my bucket list of places to I, visit. Well, I want to go to Peru. And now that I know potatoes are from there and this this laboratory is there, like, let's go. Let's go on a field trip. Yes. I mean, this is like incredible. So it's this ancient 
agriculture laboratory built by the Incas in the Sacred Valley, and it's seated at a, over 11,000 feet above sea level in a series of these enormous concentric stone terraces. So if you imagine a massive amphitheater with all of these terraces with different soils at each levels, and the soils were imported from different parts of the Andean region. So the Incas observed the crops planted in each terrace, helping them determine which varieties were best suited for the varying climates. It's unbelievable. And they built this with limestone and there are these irrigation canals and they were growing thousands of different kinds of potatoes. And it's considered a temple to Pachamama, the earth mother. Wow. The lowest and most insulated of these circles contains the warmest temperature. And the higher that the terraces get, the colder and colder that it gets. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to the Andes. So the Andeans were so advanced. And the fact that these crops could withstand these harsh conditions of high mountainous areas and give more yield, like that's that like we can't even do that today without really interfering with the seeds and fertilizer and stuff like that. Yeah, totally, totally. And it has um, around 20 different microclimates. Wow. It's unbelievable. At that altitude, it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. It really goes to show how they had this ancient understanding of the land and the climate that is still present in Andean communities. And if you Google this place, it's so beautiful. Oh, and it's wow. just massive and just green. And they were growing, you know, everything. And according to Alejandro Argumedo, the founder of Asociación Andes, this laboratory has maintained one of the highest diversities of native potatoes in the world. Wow. They also did freeze drying back in the day. And and they yeah. knew how to freeze dry the potatoes to, you know, use as insurance against a bad harvest. And they also sustained the Incan armies. But how they did it was like they they were soaked in icy waters of the rivers and streams, then sun dried in the harsh climate of the highlands and then left out in the freezing air overnight. So then they could be stored for up to a decade. And it was like, what? They did freeze drying before it was popular. And this sustained um, their armies. Yeah. And in order to, to re, they would just rehydrate them in water and then use them in soups or in stews. And it's like, who, how, how? Yeah. They say that the, the name Morai might come from these types of freeze dried potatoes. Wow. More on the history of the potatoes. Stay with us. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations, como la playa que viste en ese show, or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. 
When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. So let's talk about how the potato got to Europe, because they use it a lot. I mean, obviously colonization, we know this, but like when, how, who? Yeah. So eventually in the 16th century, so Peru was colonized in 1532 and Francisco Pizarro was the the man um, and he noticed this strange round object eaten by the indigenous population. So this new food, you know, spread within, you know, decades, it was used, you know, Spanish farmers as far away as the Canary Islands were exporting potatoes to France and to the Netherlands, a Spanish conquistador named Jimenez de Quesada, he encountered the potato in 1537 in what is now Colombia uh-huh. and described these potatoes of good flavor as truffles. Mm-hmm. Um, so like everything, you know, that was from this new world, everybody saw it was cur- with curiosity. It was later introduced to Britain because Protestants wouldn't plant them because they weren't mentioned in the Bible. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but Catholic Irish... People do had qualms about it because they would plant them on Good Friday and they would sprinkle the potato seeds with holy water because it wasn't yeah. because it wasn't a vegetable mentioned in the Bible. Like, what yeah. is that? That's so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. But, you know, all of these European countries, they were uh, they treated it with suspicion. I mean, they, you know, sometimes like like a lot of ingredients from the New World, they were it was believed to be an aphrodisiac or cause fever or leprosy. They used potatoes to feed livestock in in Northern Europe. And it had such bad publicity that it didn't really, what, reach mass appeal until the late 18th century? Exactly, until the late 18th century. And this man, Antoine Augustine Parmentier, who made the potato popular in France. And around this time, around the 18th century, everybody was looking at the French for their cuisine, right? Right, as we still do. Themselves as, as we <laughs> we do, it's true. We still do. But this is when it started around the 17th, 18th century. The French were the ones to use butter and fresh herbs and all of this. But he was super interesting. So he was a pharmacist and you know agronomist, and he um, was in the army in Prussia during the Seven Years' War, and he was taking prisoner. 
and kept in detention in what is now Hamburg, you know, Germany, and potatoes were part of his diet. So when he came back to France, he decided that he was going to change this idea that potatoes were bad for you and that potatoes caused leprosy because that's what the French thought, you know, about the potato, that it was the cause of leprosy. Yeah. So he took the scholarly approach and he started writing. He wrote this treatise called Inquiry into Nourishing Vegetables that in times of necessity could substitute for ordinary food. Mm. She's such a, such a mouthful. Um, but he was also a showman. And this is what is very cool. So he threw a famous all potato dinner party in Paris. Okay. And the who's who of Paris came, including Thomas Jefferson, who was living in Paris at the time. I believe that, yep. He planted a 40-acre potato field just outside of Paris. And he posted guards all around this potato field so that people could think what was in there was really valuable and worthy of stealing. <laughs> this is like so crazy, which of course they did. Um, people stole the potato. Um, and then he gave Marie Antoinette, who loved to put flowers in her hair, potato flowers to wear in her hair. All of a sudden, people were like, wait a minute. It finally had a PR campaign. It, exactly. it got a publicist. <laughs> got a publicist. This epoca, this era in in Europe during this time, and famine was famine was constant, right? Like, I mean, so much poverty and and destruction with all the wars and everything happening in Europe at the time that once potatoes became a staple, routine famine almost disappeared. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. And during in France, you know, during the revolution. Marie Antoinette's flower beds and the Tuileries gardens were hoed down to plant potatoes. It became a potato field. Even, you know, when it became a staple, this lack of genetic diversity, because they didn't have the 4,000 varieties yeah. that they had in the Andes, they had, you know, one, two. So this leads to this monoculture and these limited varieties of potato become very vulnerable to disease. So we oh. see this in the Irish potato famine. Yeah, in the, in the 1800s. Well, the potato is a staple food in most parts of the world, and it's grown on every continent except Antarctica. And scientists at NASA have been testing growing potatoes on Mars. Wow, from Peru <laughs> to Mars. To Mars. Well, talk about that. That sounds crazy. What do you mean? What, who's growing them? Who's on Mars? We have people on Mars. Did I miss that? We don't have people on Mars, but we have people know what the Mars soil is like. And okay. so the soil in Mars is lacking in nitrogen and in some chemicals that help plants grow. It also has very little oxygen. Well, Mars has very little oxygen, and it's freezing. It's like 80 degrees below Fahrenheit. In 2016, a group of Dutch scientists were growing 10 different plants in dirt engineered to mimic this harsh soil that I was just talking about. Mm -hmm. Among them mm -hmm. were tomatoes and peas. And in Lima, the Centro Internacional de la Papa, the International Potato Center, sprouted a potato <laughs> in this Mars-like soil 
and taking soil from the a desert, the Pampas de la Joya Desert in Peru, and planting tubers that thrive in really salty soils, basically to grow a potato in this type of soil that is like lacking in oxygen, lacking in nitrogen, lacking in chemicals. And it's yeah. really incredible. So these scientists are mimicking the surface and soil of Mars to see what grows. And so far, they've only done potatoes, tomatoes, and peas. Well, I hope peas don't survive because that is a vegetable I do not like. I don't like peas. So I, I hope I'm so peas. happy that the potato thrived in this testing. <laughs> I think the peas did too. But oh, that's so interesting. I love peas, especially a bag of frozen peas. Oh my God, they're perfect. After the break, we've got more on the history of the potato. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations, como la playa que viste en ese show, or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When did the potato, when did the papa make its way into Mexican dishes? Because it's it's important in a lot of Mexican dishes. I love it in Mexican picadillo. I love me too. I love beef and potatoes me and a tomato too. sauce. Oh my gosh, me too. I love it in picadillo. You know, we see potato. We don't really see we see sweet potato in Mexico. You know, pre-conquest we see a lot of sweet potato, but it's a whole other family. Um, but now it is pretty much a staple everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. I, I love it in picadillo. I love a good taco de papa. I love papas a la mexicana for breakfast, where it's like, it has jalapeno and onions, sometimes bell peppers. Like a little breakfast taquito? Yes. Mm. Is, that how, is that how you mainly use a potato? In, in Mexican cooking? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's always. What about in general? Like, uh, oh, is there anything? In general, you know what's home? so funny? I'm not. I grew up as a baked potato person. My mom, once the microwave was invented, which was my era, by the way, um, one of the <laughs> few things as an example to cook quickly was an, a, an egg, which is horrible in the microwave, and a potato. And like, instead of baking a potato for an hour, because they take like an hour to bake, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it took seven minutes. And so I grew up with a baked potato and especially in Texas, like the loaded baked potatoes with brisket and cheese or chili or, you know, we really load them up. Right. Um, so yeah. that's how I grew up eating them. And and sometimes do, I do I'll do a baked potato. Now I usually do a baked sweet potato if I'm going to do yeah, a, me too. a side of some sort of potato or some sort of starch, I will do the sweet potato. I, I, yeah. So I don't have a lot of, I do like roasted potatoes again from England with duck fat. So there's a mm. whole, there's a chef in Britain that taught me how to do those Sunday roast potatoes, which you got to like boil, then re, re-roast and then roast and then dip them all over duck fat and then put them back in the oven. And they just come, it's come out so oh crispy and just, it's mostly the duck fat that I like more than the potato. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Decadent. Yeah. That sounds so decadent and, and, and delicious. I make a like a non-mayo, because you know I hate mayo, potato salad. Just like boil the potatoes and then slice them and then dress them with like lemon and olive oil and tons of fresh herbs, garlic. Oh, yeah? Make this sort of dressing with like garlic and anchovy and lemon and olive oil and just put it all over the potato. So that I love. That I love. And I love a good tacos de, ta- taco de papa. I remember growing up in Nuevo Laredo, there was a woman that used to make these corn tortillas, but instead of making it with water, she would make, she would use the water that was, um, that she would sort of like rehydrate chiles, I guess. And she would use that red water for the tortillas. So the tortillas were red and they were a little bit smoky. Fill them with mashed potatoes, close them up and deep fry them. Oh, they were, I've never made them. I have this memory of these tacos de papa that were incredible. Wow. What about tortilla de papa? So I love tortilla de patata, like a Spanish tortilla. Yeah. Yes. Love that. I actually, it's so funny you say that because I do, I make that a, quite a lot. Um, I make it too. And I don't really, I'm not an egg person. I know. You're not an egg that, person. I make it. Mostly with, potato. <laughs> I mean, mostly potato. And the egg is really well cooked. Like a tortilla de papa that's runny, I can't deal with it. But if it's really, like, really well cooked, I love it. And sometimes I put chorizo mm. in it. Ugh, that is one thing that I make often, actually. Wow. Yeah. So funny you say that. I Well, and for, in Texas, we have breakfast tacos. And papa con huevo is one of my favorite breakfast tacos. Um, potato mm. and egg, which is mm-hmm. a version of the tortilla de patata. You know what I mean? Like it is potato yeah, and egg, potato and egg. Uh, just wrapped in a wrapped in a tortilla. Wrapped in a flour tortilla as opposed to just like a potato and egg omelet or mm-hmm. or quiche. <laughs> or I don't it's know. It's very different. It's so different, but same. I don't know. <laughs> so different. But I do love I you know, I'm a fan of the potato, I gotta say. Yeah. But here's the thing. French fries are not French. They were invented in Belgium, according to legend. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was in 1680 that the fried fish-loving inhabitants of this city of ne- Namur had to find something else to fry when when the local river froze. So, 
But the word French refers to the method of cooking, not its origins. Frenching Mm -hmm. is a way of cutting ingredients evenly for even cooking. And so interestingly, the French weren't the first to fry the potato. The Spaniards were, and they didn't cut it in long strips. They cut it like in circles, like you have it in a tortilla de patata. So it was technically the Spaniards Mm. who fried potatoes first, but it was the French who made the fry uh, shape first. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. I bet the French hate that the Spanish did it first. The Spanish fried (laughs) potatoes. They were the first to fry potatoes. Apparently. Apparently. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. Do you like French fries? Love. I love French fries. Honestly, French fries. Yeah, it's up there. So good. I don't obviously don't eat them a lot and I'm very picky about them. I really honestly anywhere in France at a rush, if you are at a restaurant order and French fries, steak frites or whatever comes with your Mm. meal, they're usually amazing. Like they really, they really do it the best. (laughs) They do. Yeah. Steak frites. That's one of my favorite things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The potatoes, they're so versatile. It's so versatile. I love it in soups. I love it in my chicken noodle soup. I have to have potato in my vegetable soup, in my minestrone soup, Mm. in my chicken noodle soup. I have to have a potato. It makes it so hearty and it just adopts whatever broth you put into it. Well, it was really fun exploring outside of Mexico for a minute, going down to Peru, don't you think? Absolutely. I was excited about this. Yeah. You know why? Because I... But of course, we're talking about our picadillos and our tacos de papa. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We always have to bring it back to to Mesoamerica. But um, I am fascinated by Peruvian food. I I would love to do a a ceviche episode, a quinoa, um, you know, all what what is that? Not it's not hominy, but oh, the choclo, yes, the big, the really big corn. Yes. Oh my gosh, quinoa! Oh my god, there's just so, so much in Peru much. that I am such a ceviche. fan of ceviche. Ceviche, I mean, yeah. Hello, I know. There's a whole there's a whole episode right there. Yeah, there's that's like we just you just mentioned like four different episodes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much. But I'm glad we ventured a little further south this time. It, it's fascinating. Yeah, endlessly fascinating. Endlessly fascinating and there's endless recipes with potatoes thank you so much for listening to our potato episode don't forget to subscribe comment rate us all of it thank you hungry for history is an unbelievable entertainment production in partnership with iheart's my cultura podcast network for more of your favorite shows visit the iheart radio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts Between recording the next episode of my podcast, running a business, and all of the things life throws my way, sometimes it's good to just get away. Hola, que tal? It's Chiquis here. And let me tell you, I love booking a trip where I can escape. There's nothing like spending a few days at the beach, relaxing, and spending time with family. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter your reasons, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.